This is the remix. And off to Lee. Lee has a hole, gets to the 40. He needed one, he got six. Real back to throw, back pedals into the pocket, comes forward, and the pass is intercepted by the Wolfpack. Running down the right side and trying to stay on his feet, getting inside the 10, five, touchdown. Diane Henley. Juan Soto is now a Padre. Back to the show about him. Now back to throw with a quick drop. Then Friel is hit and sacked. He was hit at the 50. He goes down to the 47, but they're going to spot it at the 50. The Dodgers wish they traded for Juan Soto instead of Gallo. It should end with this score of 51 to 20 in favor of the Wolfpack as they go out to try to just burn out the clock here. And that's it. The game is over. The game ends, and the Fremont Cannon will stay here in Reno. The final score of tonight's game, UNR 51, UNLV 20. Blah, 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 whatever, press box, Juan Soto. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. All right, Jared's going to love this. I still want to talk about some baseball. Oh, God, come on! Uh, this is the second day in a row that I put together a remix that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Save it for tomorrow. Uh, you <laughs> want to talk about this one, too, though, so don't worry, because we didn't get to it earlier. The Toronto Blue Jays traded. Yes, I do want to talk about this. For Whit Merrifield. And if you are unaware, Whit Merrifield played, played for the Kansas City Royals. Whit Merrifield was one of, like, the seven Royals that did not make the trip to Toronto earlier this season because Whit Merrifield is unvaccinated. Whit Merrifield did go on to give a quote afterwards saying, well, if I was playing for a contender, I'd consider getting the shot. He then tried to apologize and say, that's not what I meant. But now he's been traded to Toronto. He's a contender. Unless he gets vaccinated. Somewhat. He can't even enter the country. He can't get in the country that his team plays in. Like, that is phenomenal. I almost hope that... The Royals traded him there without telling him and being like, yeah, screw you. You got to get vaccinated now or not play baseball the rest of the season. That's great. What do you think, Jared? I just, I'm literally like, I, every once in a while, as, as poorly managed as the Royals are, as bad of a team outside of Salvi as, as they are. This is like, hey, you did a public service, right? You got yes. a, you right, got right. an uneducated person <laughs> yes. vaccinated. Yes, good on you. They they took less in return from Toronto than they would have from another team. I, he hasn't I announced almost, one I, way or the other yet. I haven't seen anything, but I I have to imagine. I think Toronto, they called Toronto. Well. Toronto had to make sure through an agent or somebody. No, no, no. You don't think so? You think they just traded for they? They must have known he was one of these unvaccinated guys. He was one of the ones who didn't come right. in. I have to imagine Toronto had at least some. Toronto went, we got no tape on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> the scouts don't know how to get him out. Who's Whit Merrifield? Uh, I have to imagine Toronto had some conversation. But I will say this about did the Royals call Toronto? If you go down the the... Blue Jays roster looking at OPS. Whit Merrifield might be like the 11th or 12th best hitter on that team. Like he's not like they didn't trade for a guy that's guaranteed to walk into that lineup. So they traded for a guy who's not great, who might not come to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's a good player, but like he's not, it's not like the Blue Jays. Talk about lineup death, right? When right, how many the Dodgers and the Padres, how and all many, those teams? how yeah. many 
black holes do you have in your lineup, right? The Padres should have zero. The Dodgers right. should have zero. Muncie, two. <laughs> Muncie and Bell. They're still not complete black holes, but right. they're not good. The, the Blue Jays are right there where they don't have a black hole. And honestly, some of their top guys off the bench are having pretty solid seasons. So like they're another team with that lineup depth where you look at it and you're like, okay, they, they don't really have an easy out or a free out anywhere in the lineup. So it's a, it's a team that's going to be hard to get out in the postseason. However, their pitching is eh, potentially good. They've had some good starts from like three guys this year, but you they, can't misquote. I would get it if I <laughs> yeah like, that's, like that's you can't like you can't come back and say that's not really what I meant like then what did you really mean because you can't re- that's really also, misquote that that's also the dumbest reason not to be vaccinated like literally like oh yeah no I, I've been getting I, I've been thinking about getting around to it what what just if that's the only thing holding you back is well if my job asked me to I would just get it. Aaron Judge didn't want to get it. The entirety of the Yankees are vaccinated. Yep. And I guarantee whatever Aaron Judge says, he's going to be like, well, you know, uh, I did my research and I I wasn't, I'm still not super comfortable with it, but I got it. I mean, listen, Whit Merrifield's not even the second dumbest quote on a player about the vaccine. I mean, that is Andrew fair. Wiggins came out and yeah. said he regretted getting the vaccine and he won a championship after being an all-star and winning a title right. and having his best career year that would not have happened if he didn't get the right. vaccine so Whit Merrifield not even number one and hell Andrew Wiggins might not be number one because Kyrie Irving still exists so Whit Merrifield not even top two on dumbest Dumb comments quotes. gee Aaron yeah. Rodgers is above him too oh my god I, not I, I, was immu- I was immunized yeah and yes. Aaron <laughs> Good Lord. It's great. It's <laughs> phenomenal. It's great. Um, the one other thing I wanted to yell about, and this is super specific to me, um, Bradford Doolittle wrote this story about the trade deadline, and he wrote about the Astros that they need a center fielder, and Harrison Bader would have been the perfect pickup both defensively and as a hitter. The Astros' current center fielder has a 727 OPS. Harrison Bader has a 673 OPS. So, no, he would not have been great offensively. And defensively, outs above average, Harrison Bader has five. The Astros' current center fielder also has five. Well, okay. You can go beat him in the ALCS. Hold on. Let me... uh... Like, the idea that Harrison Bader would have been an upgrade over what the Astros are running out there is factually inaccurate. He has been worse than the guy... Is that the winner-loser article? Yeah, the winner-loser article. And the Astros were deemed mostly a winner, but only mostly because they didn't get Harrison Bader... Who's worse than the guy they can play right now? Okay, so according to his LinkedIn, Bradford Doolittle is an NBA writer. Bradford Doolittle sounds like a guy from the 1800s. Like, I'm pretty sure Bradford Doolittle was writing for some Philadelphia newspaper during the Civil War. And his editor was Thayer Munson. Yes. (laughs) Is it Munson or Munford? Munford. (laughs) It's Thayer Munford. I like Munson better, but it is his editor was Thayer Munford. Bradford and Thayer. For a newspaper in the 1800s. exactly. On the battlefield, trying to cover the Civil War. He is following 10 people on Twitter. I think you're looking at the wrong Bradford Doolittle. I might be. I'm just going to make that assumption. The guy with the byline on ESPN.com has got to be uh, a little more. He used to write for the Kansas City Star. Do you know this guy, Jared? No. Okay. You're just from that general area. No, I mean, I know a bunch of people from the Kansas City Star, but they're all 
not people we will have on the show. Oh, wait a minute. Why did... Okay, I got to read this. The Orioles were deemed the biggest loser. Because they did nothing? Well, they traded away Trey Mancini and their closer. Huh. He's declaring them a loser because he thinks they should be going for it when they most definitely should not be going for it. Like they could, the, the Orioles could potentially sneak into the postseason as a wild card team. That's that's a possibility, but the Orioles aren't winning anything this year. The Orioles in the postseason are losing a three game series to the Blue Jays or something like. Or I guess they might get the Twins, but like the Orioles aren't doing anything in the postseason. They're close. They're close enough to where they could get the last one, right? But like the the Orioles are ahead of schedule. The yes. Orioles are in a rebuild, and they're just ahead of schedule. You don't suddenly change your plans because, uh-oh, we're 52 and 50 or whatever they are. Right. And we could run it. We could, if we get hot for a week, find ourselves in the number three wild card spot. That would be stupid. That's how teams end up in a horrible spot because they decide, uh-oh, we're two games above 500. Yeah. We better blow up all of our plans, not get any future assets, go out and trade for a couple of rentals and lose. Like they're in the middle of a rebuild. They need to keep going because if they're this good now, imagine if they stay true, they're going to be like a legitimate contender in two years. You said the uh, first round is all at one field, all at one uh, ballpark, the higher seed. Yeah. So like if the Orioles were to get the last playoff spot, they would play a three game series against the AL central winner. And it would all be in Cleveland or Minnesota or, or Minnesota. Chicago, wherever that. And then the three is. out of five is two, two, one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the best out of five is normal. Like it's, okay. it's always been. And then the, the well, that's too bad. Yeah. And then the ALCS. Well, the one seed and go five, five, <laughs> five at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> that would be funny. Hey, you get five straight home five games. straight home games. Would be fun that way. So that's uh yeah. It's a, I'm I'm excited for the new playoff format because you're gonna get more teams in, and you're gonna have more games because you get a three game. Essentially, you get. Four three-game wild card series right. instead of two single-game wild card series, and then you get the normal postseason after that. People always complain about expanded playoffs. It's almost always great. Like it's all, it's almost always a good it. thing yeah. when you add more yeah. playoff teams. Very rarely is it right. a bad thing. Like nor, like the only real complaint is like, oh, you're rewarding bad teams. Baseball has so few playoff teams that. It's fine. Good teams miss the playoffs in this sport sometimes. The only real complaint is like in hockey where you can be under 500 and be the eight seed. If they expand it, you're under like 400 and make yeah. the playoffs. But even then, I still wouldn't have a big deal with it. If you added a couple more teams in hockey, if they had some sort of play-in round like the NBA does now, I'd be yeah. fine with that. I wouldn't complain more about to watch. a couple more postseason hockey games. Hell, it's the best part of the sport. Oh, right? absolutely. That NBA and NHL, the best part, and Major League Baseball, best part of the sport. You can tune out for the majority of the regular season. But you give me the postseason, it's going to be great. So I'm all on board expanded playoffs. It's more fun that way. And more chances for the Dodgers to lose to somebody. Yeah, thanks. You're welcome. It's good. And it could this so, year, and it could set us up for Padres Dodgers. I think it will. I the more I look at your uh, the more I look at your um situation here in terms of the Braves and Padres, that's what's going to yeah. happen. Because I don't think the Mets, although let's see where the Mets are. Mets are sixty five and thirty eight. The Dodgers are seventy and thirty three. So that's what a five games. five games. They're not gonna. That's a lot to make up uh, that's on a, a team that's up. not gonna lose much. Well, that's what they said that the Padres did this for the playoffs. They're not getting back from eleven and a half, and they don't care. They don't. They don't worry about that. Right. They just want to get yeah. in. 
You're not making that up over the course of no. What do we got left? Sixty games. No, because the Dodgers are just, aren't going to lose that much. Yeah, so it's you're going to be a wild card. They maybe they hope to catch the Braves and get home field in that three game series to start the postseason. Right. But other than that, that's about as far as they can go. I there's also a level of this that the the Padres are going to be really good for years to come. Like if they re-sign Juan yeah. Soto, we talked about yesterday the money they'd have to do to commit. But if they along re-sign with Juan Tatis Soto, and Machado, yeah, they're going to be really good for a long time. And this is more about hey, maybe in twenty twenty three, we're winning the division, right? We're ahead of the Dodgers, and and they've got to go through the wild card path, and we get the buy and whatever. That it's not a one year thing. I was talking to a couple people in San Diego yesterday in terms of Tatis and Machado being locked up for so long. And what Juan Soto is going to want, and they still at this point in San Diego, and as much as they've tried to go for it, will be shocked if they would if they resign him at what he's probably going to want. Probably any team. I mean, somebody's going to, but I think well, any, team, any team right now, I think would be shocked. If you're a Dodgers fan, you'd be shocked if the Dodgers signed Juan Soto, right? At that much money, yeah, yeah. I think any, any and that's team the Dodgers, at it, yeah, is going to be like, oh, like so he's going to be Yankees, a Yankee. No, yeah. the Yankees yeah. might lose Aaron Judge because they don't want to pay him. The guy's okay, going to hit the most yeah, they home runs. arbitration for $21 yeah. million. The guy's yeah. going to hit the most home runs since like 2005. Yeah. Okay, but Aaron Judge is also on the wrong side of 30. This guy's young. This guy's 23. He's, that's the guy you pay. Yeah, but he's going to want 10 years. And what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to be paying him when he's on the wrong side of 32. And you're going to be paying him $50 million a year. Yeah. Wrong side of 32. Not wrong the side wrong of 30. Si- he's gonna, if you gave him a 10-year contract in two and a half years, half of that be thirty-five is when he's in his 30s. Okay. Compared if you gave to Aaron Judge, the entire time he'll yeah. be on in his 30s. He'll be fine. He's going to hit home runs. I, I understand, but like, if you're not going to pay Aaron Judge, they're going to turn around and give Juan Soto double that money. That, and... makes, more se- that it makes more sense. No, nah, it doesn't. I wouldn't pay Juan Soto. I'd trade him, too, if I was the Nationals. And maybe the Padres get, get your assets back. That's right. All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. Our attempt to send them additional information was rebuffed. None of my clients testified in front of the federal judge. Uh, I think that's a common misconception that four people testify. That's not the case. Not one of them showed up. Not, no, not one of them was asked to show up and testify. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Blah, 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 whatever, press box. Juan Soto. Sam and Ash joining the show. Uh, just to let you guys know, Ed is very sad today because the Dodgers did very little at the trade deadline. Meanwhile, the Padres got Juan Soto. So, well, it, that and we Vince, lost Vince Scully. That and Vince Scully, yeah. yes. Yeah. Vince Scully oh. first. Yeah. Ash, you got to be just downtrodden today. I am. He's a baseball legend. Yeah. All right. First story of the day. <laughs> Unbelievable. Press box transition. Yeah. Yes, Jeez, man. Listen, Press box rough. transition. I don't have any more questions about Ben Scully. We talked about him. There's nothing to talk about anymore. I mean, we could ask if a crack pipe falling out of the jacket is a... <laughs> is incriminating? Yeah. Incriminating. Uh, the first story is about PSLs and the Los Angeles Rams. And basically, the Rams are getting sued by somebody because he thinks they... Uh, were devious and deceptive with their terms about the PSL. For those of you who don't know, a PSL is a personal seat license. A lot of sports teams nowadays make you buy a personal seat license to have the right to then buy an actual season ticket. That way they can charge you know a normal price for season tickets, but charge you thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to buy that PSL up front. 
Uh, the main claim, it seems to be, is that this guy thought that he was told by an employee that he could resell his PSL and also that he could cancel his PSL at any time. But the Rams aren't letting him do that. The Rams aren't letting him uh, resell it. And the Rams aren't letting him cancel it. They're saying he's got to pay out this entire thing. So I guess my main question is when it comes to like uh, when you agree to pay something with a company, how much weight does something an employee say to you versus like a terms and conditions that you either sign or, you know, click accept on? Like what carries more weight? Well, this is a big problem for the Rams, especially if these text messages are in writing. It's an agency relationship. As an employee, he went out and tried to attempt to sell these PSLs. And I have to admit, I saw this headline and I first thought pumpkin spice lattes. And I was like, this is the most (laughs) exciting thing that has ever happened to the pumpkin spice latte. There's officially a scheme. Um, But no, so there's an issue here where if this agent employee of the rams made these promises and now can't deliver it's a breach of contract because he this person who bought these psls relied on that now he's at a detriment because he made he relied he purchased and now he can't exercise the rights that he was promised in writing the most interesting thing is they're claiming this was a scheme and that that he's not the only one that was probably given these same promises and that is frustrated at the inability to transfer his uh his licenses and so what you're going to get into is whether or not the rams directed this employee to make these statements and ultimately knew they could they wouldn't be able to deliver on it or are now backing out of it so you fire him <laughs> well if you do and he was acting at your direction he, can, he, I, he like becomes a hostile witness right okay. so you let him go and he's pissed at you as the employer and then he's going rogue and he's testifying against you, sinking your ship. So this is a, the Rams are in a tricky position with the guy. Especially if he was acting on the direction of the Rams. If the Rams told him, hey, these are the promises you can make, he goes out and makes those promises, and now the Rams won't uphold them or honor those promises, and then they fire this guy, that's a big problem. We've got uh, Deshaun Watson news because he was suspended for six games. There's still an appeal process where he could get more games, potentially. But I'm curious um, from both of your opinions. I know this isn't officially court of law. This is like the NFL versus a player. But they did bring in sort of a third-party retired judge. And the part I'm curious about is this is precedence. Because the judge basically found everything the NFL said about Deshaun Watson to be true. In her invest- in her statement, she was like, yep, everything you guys say he did is accurate. But she only gave him six games, and her reasoning was, well, in the past for nonviolent you know, situations, six games is sort of the normal suspension for players. But I'm curious, like when it comes to precedent, almost all of the previous instances the NFL's had like this, it's been sort of one case or one situation. Deshaun Watson's got over 20. There's over 20 women that accused him of this. I know the NFL, I think they only used five in this actual sort of case here. But how, like when you're looking at precedent, how does the amount of cases not make it a longer suspension in that judge's mind? 
I would absolutely agree with you. And, and that's the biggest thing that I looked at, too. I said she's looking at different counts, you know, different. And whereas not just one count of sexual misconduct and a violation of it, she's looking at potentially 23 or five, however they wanted to do it. But the problem is, is these players and her she's hung up on this this retired judge is hung up on the fact that these players live their life and they have an understanding of what punishments will be levied against them if they act poorly. And so she's saying, look, the NFL is now trying to use this process to be forward looking where it's not fair to the players because they had no notice. He had no idea of what type of extensive punishment he could be levied. And if the NFL wants to start doing full season suspensions, now they need to let their players know. They need to do a, a new collective bargaining agreement and itemize, you know, there's actual sentencing guidelines in our community that says if you batter someone, here's the likely fine and jail time you will receive. So we're all on notice of those things, whether or not we read them in advance or not. And so I, I would suggest to the NFL that they go out and they make such a sentencing guideline for these independent judges to follow and evaluate and see, okay, there was potentially 23 counts. I think 16 of them were credible under the sentencing guideline that the NFL and the Players Association have agreed upon. This is the insured punishment. I think that's what they need to do. Uh, the NFLPA said in a statement it would not, it would accept the judge's decision and not uh, appeal, urge the NFL to do the same. The The weird part about this is that the NFL appeals, it's appealing to itself. Now, whether Goodell would take that on or again, he'd have another party come in to hear the appeal we don't know, but if you're the NFL, do you appeal this? I'm predicting they do. This is Goodell's legacy, and I think he's going to do whatever it takes to be on the right side of this issue. So I anticipate him appealing it and making that first step in giving these players notice. Can you guys give me some sort of context here? How many situations with, I, I, I don't know, a company that's punishing a, per, a person, like they had a third-party judge make a decision but somehow, if it's appealed, it goes to Roger Goodell, who is very much not a third party. Like, how is he the one that oversees the appeal in this process? I don't know. They agreed on it, though. Right. This was part of the collective bargaining agreement. And so my presumption is this is the best the Players Association was going <laughs> to get. And I, I'm with you, Tyler. It makes It's absolutely insane. I don't know how they reached this decision other than they clearly had more... Um, items they wanted to accomplish beyond just this disciplinary system being reworked, and they prioritized them. Uh, we talked about Brittany Griner quite a lot. Uh, the U.S. government is reportedly uh, has offered the arms dealer uh, Victor <laughs> Bout for Brittany Griner and another uh, United States citizen that Russia is holding over there. I, as far as I know, nothing has actually been accepted. I, I don't know if you guys have actually insight on this, but. Is that something you think Russia would accept? I mean, but potentially, right? It's Victor Bount, and he's kind of a lord, like a lord of war kind of character, and um, and he's he's sitting in 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 federal prison, and, and rightly so. All right, so um, you know, look, these kind of trades occur all the time. There's there's certainly a lot of precedence for them. We typically fare poorly in these deals. In other words, these the the countries that that have limited due process places like like Russia countries that have no due process like North Korea when they when they capture an American citizen 
um, they have they have leverage, and, and in these deals, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Russians want a lot more than just Victor Bout. And their their time is on their side, right? I mean, they don't have to make the deal. They're they're they want more than just some guy that is in prison. I mean, we, they they are their economy is coming apart at the seams because the crippling sanctions that we've put on them. And so I I cannot imagine that negotiations around that won't also be part of the equation. This is just an offer by the United States. It's not even a request on their part. So you never take the first offer. The Russians are savvy negotiators. They know they've got the upper hand. And I don't think that this thing is going to resolve anytime soon, personally. Okay, I have another question for you guys that I just saw this morning from uh, Ben Collins, who works for NBC. Uh, apparently, there's a court case right now between Sandy Hook parents and Alex Jones. And apparently, the lawyers of Alex Jones accidentally sent Alex Jones text messages to the lawyers of the Sandy Hook parents. And they now have every text that Alex Jones has sent for multiple years. That's a problem. Uh, you get what these, you pay for? That's what you get fired over. <laughs> I mean, th- that's a... Um, oh. Can, can that be entered into evidence? <laughs> well, they'll... now that, So this is the biggest issue. Now they know what they're looking for. They'll have to get at it a different way. So they will use the discovery process to specifically say, we would like the text message from Alex Jones to this person on this date, because they know what it says. <laughs> Boy, you fire that person quicker than you do the Rams employee. Yeah, you, before that you guy. can even yell. Exactly. Well, has Ash they were probably he, Yeah, he hired a discount lawyer. That's what happened. There you go. That's darn right. That's what happened. Has, has any lawyer that. ever had to like resign from a case that just got my bad? Yeah, and they. By the way, they can get disbarred over something like this. I mean, you you can you the the state bar. He has a state bar complaint. Yeah, he he has a state bar complaint. But but I'm literally I'm not kidding. We see stuff like this happen here in town when people think they're going to save a buck. They hire a lawyer that you know quote unquote it's a better deal, and then the lawyer f's up their case completely, and then they call us and are surprised by how this all all went down and. You know, almost invariably, people are looking for a bargain. Alex Jones probably just burnt out of cash, and he's hiring some cheap lawyer. and Or and someone voila. his buddy re- referred, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't qualified yeah. for this yeah. case. His wife's uncle, yeah. third cousin. Hey, she already know. sued him. His, his wife already <laughs> sued him. I think she was on the stand yesterday, actually. <laughs> well, it's Sam and Ash. <laughs> SamandAshLaw.com. 702-820-1234. As always, guys, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot, you guys. <laughs> Glad to have you all together today. Vince Scully yeah, there, Ash. Vince Scully, it's a sad I day. I know. It's a sad day. See you guys. Uh, that's got to be one of the worst like <laughs> lawyer mess-ups you could possibly have. Like accidentally sending all of this evidence that you don't want anybody to see to the opponent. And that's a lot of text. Oh, though. yeah. Before hitting send, don't you like in your mind say, this is who I'm sending you to or what am I doing? How many how many texts could that be? Accidentally. Like, yeah, yeah I sent you the whole file. It must just be in a file. And yeah, just, it has just, to be. And you're just pushing the send button. Oh, it's brutal. This brutal. Is, so one of the text messages is from his lawyer to Alex Jones. Do you know what perjury is? <laughs> <laughs> one of the follow-up tweets is, even Alex Jones is stunned by the fact that Sandy Hook parents seem to have his text messages. <laughs> like, that's incredible. That's one of the most incredible tweets I've read. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs.
Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, I'm not gonna cave in. End of story, dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude, 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 dude. Bischoff's Briefs. Dude. Bischoff's Briefs. I guess you've got a point there. Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look. At UNLV football, Marcus Arroyo still has not named a starting quarterback. There are three QBs in contention, Harrison Bailey, Doug Brumfield, Cam Frio. We are less than four weeks away from UNLV's opening game. They got moved up to week zero, playing Idaho State on a Thursday. So, question becomes, you know, when will he name a starter? Will he name one before the first game of the season? Are we just going to find out, like, in warm-ups, we're going to have... Steve Cofield roaming the sideline being like, I think that's Harrison Bailey taking snaps with the first team. I don't know. Uh, but here's my big concern. How has Harrison Bailey not won the quarterback job yet? And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Maybe he has. And Marcus Arroyo is like really playing some games over here. Like he knows he's going to give it to Harrison Bailey, but for whatever reason, doesn't want to name him the quarterback now for competition or mental fortitude, whatever the hell the reasoning is. But if we take it like at face value that Marcus Arroyo doesn't believe anybody's actually won the job yet. I want to go back to last season and look at UNLV's quarterback play. This is where UNLV is a team ranked in passing categories in the Mountain West. 12 teams in the Mountain West. They were 10th overall in quarterback rating. They were 8th in yards per attempt. They were 6th in completion percentage. They were 10th in touchdown passes. They were 3rd or through the 3rd most interceptions. UNLV's passing game last year was below average. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the worst in the conference, but it wasn't average. It was somewhere in that 8 to 10 range of best Mountain West passing uh, teams. Last year, Cam Friel threw 226 passes, far and away the most of any player. Doug Brumfield, still on the roster, he only threw it 39 times last year. Because of injuries, he didn't play a whole lot. Two guys no longer on the team, Justin Rogers, Tate Martell, did throw 66 passes. So not all, but the bulk of those passing stats were from Cameron Friel, right? The ninth best passing offense in the Mountain West was mostly led by Cameron by Friel. A freshman. And you're telling me that with less than four weeks before the season starts, Harrison Bailey, transfer from Tennessee, has not beaten out a guy who led UNLV to the ninth best passing offense in the conference? That's not a good sign for how good Harrison Bailey is, right? Because either that means he's not as good as the guy who led UNLV to the ninth best passing offense, or he's barely better than the guy that led UNLV to the ninth best passing offense. And if we're taking Arroyo as what he say is true, what he says is truth about nobody's won the job yet. How on earth can you expect this passing offense to be better than eighth or ninth this season? I don't think you can. The quarterback's not going to be any good if that's what's actually happening. If Harrison Bailey has not beaten out Cameron Friel and Doug Brumfield yet, he's probably not that good. He's probably just as good as those three, and there's not going to be a significant upgrade at quarterback this year. And when you look at this UNLV team, their wide receiver room is supposedly loaded, right? They right. should they've supposedly got a lot of talented wide receivers, but it's not going to make a big difference if your quarterback play is below average in the Mountain West. And who's going to be running the ball for UNLV? Their number one source of offense last year was handing the ball to Charles Williams. He had 254 carries last year. No one else had 20. Right. Right. Doug Brumfield was the number two rusher on the team. Last he wasn't year. throwing it. Yeah. So you lose Charles Williams. And I think they'll be mostly fine replacing the rushing aspect, but you're replacing him and your quarterback play might not be better than it was last season. 
I you're you're looking at what could be basically the same offensive production as they had last year, which I think is going to be a really bad sign. So I'll give you this. If you're looking for reasons for like why UNLV's offense is going to be better than it was last season, I think you have to believe one of two things. You either have to believe, one, that Harrison Bailey is a massive upgraded quarterback. Not a minor one, but a massive upgraded quarterback where you go from getting eighth or ninth best quarterback play to fourth. Yeah, like third or fourth best in the conference. Or, I guess and or, you could believe both these things, but or you have to believe that Marcus Arroyo is good. And I mean like best in the conference at finding and developing talent. And that way, the offensive line, the wide receiver group, the new running backs are all so good around an average quarterback that it doesn't matter. It doesn't the, matter how the, yeah, yeah, doesn't, exactly. he can be below yeah. average and the offense will still be good because everything else around it is good. And I don't I, know that I believe either of those two things. I don't know if I believe either also, but I'm going to believe the former first. And that maybe he just hasn't named him for whatever yeah. reason. Like he wants competition. Yeah. It's four weeks away. He doesn't want these kids, the other two, to like give up. We already saw Brumfield left and then came back. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with the former that he, if we have to pick one, because yeah. I don't know either like you, I would pick Harrison Bailey's just that much better. I think that is UNLV's best hope for having a like good Mountain West offense this season. For having an offense good enough to carry them to six wins in a bowl game, which is effectively the goal, right? I think that's their best bet is that Harrison Bailey is an upgraded quarterback and that that's going to be the difference. Because, listen, we've talked about the quarterback position for years at UNLV. It, they have not gotten good play out of the quarterback position in a long time. Armani Rodgers, right. maybe. Yeah, was a good rushing quarterback. Right. He produced a lot of yards, but he was a very inconsistent passer. And because of that, UNLV had a lot of games where they struggled. And if this program could have a quarterback for like two, maybe three seasons that you knew was, hey, he's the third or fourth best quarterback in the Mountain West. If they had that guy for a couple of seasons, I think it makes a massive difference. This team probably goes to back-to-back bowl games, and they're they're good to go. But they have not had that in so long. I mean, right. since I've been here, they have not had a top-half quarterback in the Mountain West. And I've been here longer than you, and I can't even remember. Right. Uh, I, I'm serious, because I... And I Cover them through the Sanford years, obviously, because there's nothing else going on in town. Because so, so you know, football was a really big deal at that point. I'm trying to remember the quarterbacks they had. Was Caleb Herring a top half quarterback? Like Blake Decker was probably the best that they've maybe Armani Rogers, but Blake Decker, like those are the ones that have been since I've yeah. been here. I mean, I came here right after Caleb Herring, so I like when's the last time they just and that's not that's not even good that's just top half when's the last time they had the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the Mountain West Mountain West it's been a long time and so I I think that's the biggest difference is if they had a guy that say he's the third best quarterback not even the best just he's the third or fourth best quarterback in this conference that would be like any of the Tony Sanchez teams if they had the third or fourth best quarterback in the conference on any of those teams, he might still be the coach. Yeah, they went to they went to bowl. Yeah. He'd be the coach somewhere else because somebody That's else. True, someone him. would have poached him. They they go to multiple bowl games if if they had had a quarterback for a couple seasons that is the third or fourth best in the conference. Hell, last year's team won only won two games, but they lost a bunch of one score games. Six, six if, games by one yeah, score. Or if left. instead of Cameron yeah. Friel, they had the third or fourth best quarterback, they they probably go to a bowl game yep. last season, right? So. That, to me, is the biggest thing this program needs. And when they got Harrison Bailey, when you got, what was, was he, a four-star recruit? I can't remember. When you got the sort of, hey, he was a pretty highly ranked recruit that went to Tennessee. 
didn't play recently, but he went to Tennessee, had a good recruiting ranking. When you got that guy, there was reason for hope. There was reason to think, oh, he might be pretty good coming down to the Mountain West, coming down to UNLV. But we're sitting here less than four weeks away. He hasn't been named the starter yet. And if that's reality, if it's reality that he hasn't beaten out those other two, then it's fair to say, it's probably fair to say, he's not going to be the third or fourth best quarterback in the Mountain West and be that big of a difference maker, which ultimately leads UNLV back to the same place they've been for a long time. A two to four win program that doesn't make a bowl game that just has relatively uninspiring quarterback play. And that I think could be a big issue. I guess the one other positive thing you could possibly look at is what if Cameron Friel got a lot better from his freshman to sophomore year? And, and we don't know yet. Right. And what if it's a, hey, he got better and he and Harrison Bailey are both good. Right. And he just and Doug and they, haven't as well. cho- and they haven't chosen one. Th- that's very optimistic, but I guess that's in the realm right. of possibility too. Friel back to throw, backpedals into the pocket, comes forward, and the pass is intercepted by the Wolfpack. Running down the right side and trying to stay on his feet, getting inside the 10-5 touchdown. Diane Henley. It was last year, Jared. It was last year. Aren't I okay? But aren't you the guy that literally said players don't get better year I did. to year? I, I think it's very optimistic to think that. Yes, development is a myth. Absolutely. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> I'm out. development is a myth. All right, we got tickets to give away to go see Chico Bean. Two tickets Saturday night, August 6th at the Mirage Theater. 10 p.m. show. You have to be 16 or older to go. You can buy tickets at Ticketmaster right now if you want to go see Chico Bean. But we got a pair you can win for free. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Two tickets to go see Chico Bean at the Mirage on Saturday, August 6th. Be caller number 6 at 702-364-1100. It's 2-2 to Grisham. Hit in the air to left field. Pretty well struck. Connor Joe going back into the corner. He's at the wall. He can't get it, and it's going to go. A home run for Grisham to tie it. And it's 3-3 in the fourth. Far takes off. Cronenworth hits it deep to right field. Richick turns around. This one going to go. Two-run shot, Jake Cronenworth. Padres threatening to break this thing wide open. It's 7-3 in the sixth inning. 3-2. Grisham swings. Hits it in the air to deep right field. This one's way back. Going to go. Walk-off home run. Trent Grisham. Padres sweep a doubleheader from the Rockies, and they do so dramatically, taking their first lead of the night on their final swing of the day. You're locked in the press box. And now they get Juan Soto? Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, they're 11 and a half back. And Josh Bell. And Josh Bell. They got 60 games. They got 60 games left. Yeah, but game one of the NLDS in L.A. is going to be fun. Yeah, it will be. Musgrove against uh, Goslin. You don't even know who your game one because starter Bueller's be. going to come back in September. So, but it, he's not going to be. It wouldn't he's not be Kershaw. Be no, I think it'd be Goslin. When are you getting Bauer back? I keep asking you, and you haven't given me he's any suspended leads. Suspended for two years. <laughs> Man, that seems like that seems like a fair amount for a. Uh, <laughs> An assault case. You should have appealed to Roger Goodell and see what Roger Goodell had to say. We have Adam Hill in the uh, studio. We don't have enough microphones. Yeah, we got Danny on mic. Danny's in here. Adam Hill's. Mostly because Danny yells at Vin Scully takes. Um, the, The one of the things I remember about him was a terrible. There's a terrible movie called For the Love of the Game that I really, really like because Vin Scully basically was given a script. And, and, and was yeah, it was in Vince Scully's voice. 
and it made me like, oh man, Vince Scully's really good. Danny, your stupid team is the one that made the trade. This year. <laughs> hey, your hey, stupid team is. But in, in our GM's defense, we didn't just throw away players like Nelson Cruz. That's right. Yeah, we, we kept, to Josh we Bell kept there. good players and didn't just throw yeah. away talent. Yeah, last year here you want 20, Trey Turner? Okay, twenty-three year old all star. We'll take Trey Turner. Yeah, he's a throw-in. Oh man, but, why, why do they always throw something in? They do. This, they it's like a. They did it last year. They did it yesterday. They just throw these guys in. Whereas Tyler said yesterday, which is the best point, why don't you take Bell and trade him to someone else and get assets back on that? What, well, why are you throwing these people into these trades? Yeah, Danny, answer. Because they're not our talented players. We just throw away. Okay. Now but, you got Luke Luke but according to, according to Mike Rizzo, he was given a list of players from the Padres that he could choose, and he chose Hosmer. Hosmer was his top Yeah, the guy, guy with the no trade. Yeah. And then the Padres pick up his entire... Padres were over the tax last year. What are they going to be now? Uh, I'm, think, I'm tired of hearing about this small market right BS with the Padres. They're supposed to be over by like 23 or yes. 32 million. Wait a minute. Yeah, this, this small market nonsense with the Padres. They're over the tax every but, year. And I also saw that if that trade had gone through, the Nationals would have only paid Hosmer's contract they're, this year, and the Padres would have paid the last the three Padres years. The Padres are playing the, uh, the entire contract with the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. they're, they're dumb. Hold on, hold on. Did hey, you, how bad did is you Eric tell Cosmer? Me that the Nationals GM said out loud yesterday that Eric Hosmer was the number one guy he wanted? He said it this morning. He said it this morning in a press conference that he was given a list of players by the Padres and he could pick anyone on the list and he chose Hosmer first. Why would he say that? Why would he admit that? <laughs> I don't know. Why would Rizzo. you say that out loud? I don't know. He told that to all of DC media this morning in a press conference. I think he should probably be fired for that. <laughs> and you know how, <laughs> not like, the actual trade, but for that. You know how when they're doing a press conference, usually under their name they put like like some good information. Like today, underneath his name, it said traded Juan Soto. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they should have put all the other Rizzo. players: Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Trey Turner, Josh Bell. Let go of Harper. Just put everyone. Yeah, would have been fun. It's great. He tried to trade Bryce Harper, but though. his owner out overruled him. But this move basically cements my bet of having the under of Nationals wins this oh, year. Oh no! It always comes where's back. The, to that. Where's the imaging, Jared? It always he comes did. back to I, that. I want Danny to produce the imaging. All I have is the dry. Just stuff. play the dry stuff. He's giving you great stuff right now. <laughs> I gotta find it. He's out here telling us he nah, bet the under late. on his favorite team. Yeah, and I almost in-seasoned it as well, but I didn't do that. But I have under seventy-one wins. And they're only at thirty six. Oh, Seven. automatic. Yeah, yeah. So they're automatic for the rest of the season. They would have to go thirty five and twenty seven or something. To well, hit not, it. Now. No, Degenerate not now. Denny. Denny. There you go. Degenerate Danny. And you heard him. You heard him try to say Danny a second time because it's dry out here. That's fine. That's that's what we wanted to hear. It will have we'll have that. Fully produced for his random WNBA parlays or whatever. Oh no! I expect I expect he he is in here solidly almost every Thursday or Friday. I expect at least a preseason parlay. Oh, I'm doing well. Oh my God! He's no 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 no. I I don't bet preseason ever. I oh, that's below but, you, Mr. WNBA I Parlay. Hey, yeah, you, you kept us up on the aces like down to the last minute against Connecticut. Absolutely. <laughs> but wish they lost. But anyways, anyways. I got burned. 
I, I put out a tweet yesterday that the Raiders line is a pick them, and I'm I'm assuming they're going to play their starters at least one None drive. None of the starters. No, are they're not playing. Them. Why would you play any starters? You're not starters? very good degenerate. They're losing guys left and right in practice. you got to listen to the show while you're working on you're not, the other How am I going to listen to a show while I'm producing another show? All right, hold on now. 4.30 today, Pops Ramirez as a special guest. Boxing promoter manager Rick Newman. Newman will talk Bo Holyfield trilogy, the fan man. And what boxing in Las Vegas meant back then. Listen at 4.30 to uh, Pops Ramirez with Rock Newman. That's Adam's show. Asked if he knew he was coming on. He didn't know anything. Adam's, Adam's leaving. not on the Adam's show. Adam's leaving. He's not on the show today. Adam's going to California. Oh, so I think the Hosmer thing was fake news. So let's just leave with that. But why Is would it? you say that out loud? That doesn't make you look good. Lie about something no, good. Like, did, did, he, he didn't say it.